Zara, I am so excited to talk about today's sponsor. It's the new film, Challenges. It's from the director of Call Me By Your Name, Luca Guadagnino, and stars and is produced by none other than our girl Zendaya. Yeah, you know I love her. You love her too. I love her so much. Zendaya plays Tashi Duncan, a former tennis prodigy turned coach who is married to a Grand Slam champion, currently on a losing streak. And if that's not bad enough, Tashi's strategy to help her husband break his curse sort of takes a surprising and awkward turn. Hmm, awkward indeed. Because now he must face off against his former best friend and Tashi's ex-boyfriend, Patrick. Zara, the tensions are running high. I know. Tashi's someone who makes no apologies for her game on and off the court. It's her game, her rules, but with her past and present colliding, Tashi must face reality and ask herself, what will it cost to win? Challenges is the sexy drama that everyone's talking about and it's definitely not one you want to miss. It's about passion, friendship and what happens when your past comes back to challenge you. You can grab a ticket from Tuesday the 26th. So grab your friends and get excited. I will be grabbing you and we are definitely going to be going to watch it. Oh, please. Thank you so much to Challenges for making this episode of Shameless Possible. Floppy haired heartthrob of just about everyone's dreams. He was also the committed boyfriend of model and actress Liz Hurley. So when police caught Hugh Grant in a car with a sex worker, the media went into overdrive. Welcome to Scandal from Shameless Podcast, the stories of the biggest celebrity controversies revisited. Zara McDonald. Welcome to part two, Michelle Andrews. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for being here as well. I'm so excited that last night I rewatched Four Weddings. Did you? I felt like after researching Hugh Grant and after recording episode one, all I wanted to do was rewatch that film and... I loved every second. I'm desperate to do that. You've inspired me. Maybe I will this weekend. It's a feel-good classic. It's a feel-good classic. And when you watch it, I mean, we said in the last episode, episode one, it's from 1994. Films were done very differently back then. There's a lot of just dead air, like when the actors and stuff are just kind of doing their thing or milling around. And I realised in current day films – Every single second is filled with either music or noise yeah, or right. something. It's w- very different. I wouldn't have thought of that. Yeah. I think the other thing is they're always shorter, which is better for my attention span. <laughs> Let's quickly recap what we spoke about in the last episode because we kind of tracked Hugh's early years from his uni days at Oxford and the beginning of his career, which certainly didn't take off immediately. Yeah, exactly right. We also were introduced to his long-term girlfriend, Liz Hurley. They got together when Hugh Grant was 20 and Liz was 22. Much of their relationship was forged over their struggling careers, being in the same very difficult, hard to crack industry. And I mean, we both love that part of their relationship. They met when they were, and again, this is in quotation marks, nobodies. Yeah, absolutely. Everything, as we just sort of touched on before, changed for Hugh when he got the script for Four Weddings and a Funeral. The film earned him a Golden Globe and a BAFTA, and he almost instantly became one of the most recognisable stars in the world. 
And so did Liz, actually, after she arrived at the premiere of the film in a now iconic black Versace dress held together by gold safety pins. Yeah, so Hugh was a movie star. Liz was the face of Estee Lauder around the world. Things were really coming together for them. They were a real power couple until Zara. One night in June 1995, when Hugh was in LA, about to launch his film Nine Months, which was a big role for him. It was his first film after Four Weddings and a Funeral, the film that had made him a star. Absolutely. Now, at about 1.30 in the morning in June 1995, as you mentioned, Hugh pulled his car over and met a sex worker by the name of Divine Brown, who he paid $60 for oral sex. Now, the LAPD pulled the two over, arrested them both for engaging in a lewd act. The news breaks, Liz finds out, and Hugh issues a groveling apology. And that is where we left off. So let's rewind now back to 1995 to talk about the fallout. All right, Zara. So Hugh's been arrested. Liz has just found out. And the news very, very quickly hits the global press. And we want to give a heads up to the listeners before we run you through how the media reported on this incident we need to remember this is the 90s and the way that sex work was discussed in particular was really gross and really problematic and is not the kind of terminology that we would use today we're going to recount some of those headlines and some of those sentences to give you an idea as to how toxic this coverage was yeah how dirty it really got for sure now the new york post ran a story on their front cover with the headline hugh dirty dog in england (laughs) yeah headline writers also had a field day the sun ran the headline you've blown it hugh yeah so rampant was this coverage that even the la Times, which we know is typically a more highbrow publication concerned with more highbrow matters, got stuck into the gossip. They wrote, some of Liz Hurley's friends describe her as devastated, humiliated and angry. Another says she will probably stand by him, but she's a dignified woman. Now, there was one piece in particular that was especially gross, I think, Mish. This was from Alan Hall of the Daily Mirror, wrote this piece to The Guardian and said, only aliens and hermits can now be unaware of four weddings and a fun orals, Hugh Grant's Mm. close encounter with a lady of the night in Hollywood. Yeah, UK tabloid journalists descended on LA along with local reporters because they were all trying to find Divine Brown and get her side of the story. Alan Hall wrote about this time, as usual, it was left to Britain's popular press to unearth the details of his liaison with a VIP, very important prostitute. For a while, papers as diverse as The Mirror, The Times and The Daily Telegraph wrote headlines about the story and the BBC and ITN aired it prominently on their bulletins. It was tabloid reporters who unearthed all the glorious details. I mean, the tone here is just a lot. He said that all week long, Sunset Boulevard, and I quote, resembled a reporter's convention as prostitute after prostitute, pimp after pimp, was pursued for leads to the divine one. He went on and said many reporters, this one included, found themselves up blind alleys because the hooker's concept of truth is often as refined as their sense of decency. Fucking hell. Yeah. It's a lot. Uh, just hugely, hugely gross. And I think, yes, this is one piece, but I think it is very, very reminiscent of what the conversation looked like at this time. Mm. Not only was it grubby, everybody was kind of treating this as a big joke. 
Yeah, 100%. A big joke and a circus. Like some of the details that came out were just strange and I really don't think we would be talking about it at all in the same way today. Like the Attorney General in the case against Hugh at one point publicly revealed that he had been wearing a mint-flavoured condom. Just like stuff that is so irrelevant and not in the public interest to know about. Yeah, absolutely. Now, reporters started offering huge sums of money for Divine Brown to come forward and tell her story. Now, as Alan wrote about this in that same piece we've been referencing, money being the only language that pimps and prostitutes speak, it was inevitable that sums of cash would have to be considered the best way to lure Miss Divine from hiding. Interesting point. Isn't that how you lure anyone to yes. give a tabloid a story? Like we've been doing scandal episodes for over a year and British tabloids, to get anyone to speak, pay them money. Why is it treated like, just to read that out again, money being the only language that pimps and prostitutes speak. That's the only language that anyone cares about when it comes to giving a tabloid exclusive. Absolutely. Of course you care about money. Why are we acting like that is just exclusive to this one group of people. Yeah, ridiculous. Now, according to Alan, the Sun's LA correspondent actually plastered the palm trees on Sunset Strip with wanted posters of Divine Brown with what looked to be her police mugshot on it, promising a $150,000 reward for her exclusive story. I mean, no wonder she was in hiding. She was being harassed. Yeah, Kevin Smith, the proprietor of a successful freelance agency called Splash, also appeared on a TV show spreading $10,000 in cash in the palm of his hand and kind of waving it around like a game show host. And he was promising this to Divine Brown. It was like a public call out as if she was a missing person and he was trying to lure her in with this $10,000 in his hand. Yeah, now the tabloids were so desperate to get this story that three outlets, the Daily Mail, the Sun and Today, became the target of an elaborate sting by pimps. Three reporters were allowed to interview a woman who claimed to be divine on the telephone and to confirm her identity were allowed to see her waving from a building window while they drove by in a car. But she was just a lookalike. Apparently back in London, news spreads were already being laid out with these interviews when the hoax was exposed. Yikes. I'm obsessed with this part of the story because I'm like, fuck these tabloids. And Why how, not create an elaborate sting? How dumb can you be? Like, sorry. <laughs> but it's do hopeful. You, do you really think you're getting the exclusive if they're not even letting you meet yeah, the she's very waving woman. from a building window. It, it's so stupid. I kind of love that they all fell for it. Now, it was News of the World, of course, News of the World, who got the scoop on this story. They reportedly paid Divine Brown $100,000 for her side of things. They scored the interview on a Thursday, but the article wouldn't come out until Sunday, Zara. And that gap in time was a risk. Absolutely, wasn't it? Now, the editor of the paper said there was a huge cost once we'd found Divine Brown. There was an expectation that the Mail and the Sun wouldn't be far behind. So we asked if she would move from her home to a different location. From memory, she wanted to take quite a number of her family with her. We flew them to a place in Nevada in the desert. It seems so silly now, but it was important. Yeah, apparently to get this exclusive, News of the World had to hire a plane and put the entire family up in an oasis resort. Now, the total cost of getting this story reportedly came to about a quarter of a million dollars. The editor of the paper said it is one of the biggest amounts she had ever spent while at News of the World. 
Yeah, the paper ran the story on the cover with the headline, Hugh told me I was his sex fantasy. They even ran a photo of Divine wearing a Versace safety pin dress like the one that Liz had worn at that premiere. Now, Divine gave a detailed account of what happened and claimed that Hugh had told her, I always wanted to sleep with a black woman. That's my fantasy. Yeah. In this interview, Divine also said that Hugh liked her taste in perfume, adding that it was not Estee Lauder, which she thought was, and I quote, too sweet and sickly. I mean, it doesn't take a genius to figure out what News of the World is trying to do here. And particularly grubby that they're trying to use this exclusive to go after Liz Hurley. Like, just, yeah, you keep can just, Liz out of it. Just stick to Divine and Hugh. Why do we have to get her in a gold safety pin Versace dress and then talk about Estee Lauder being too sweet and sickly? Yeah, it's like as if she hasn't gone through enough with this story. Liz yeah. Hurley, like, keep her out of it. Absolutely. Now, I think... It's probably important as well to delve into in more detail why this was such a huge story globally. Like, yes, there was the fact that he'd engaged the services of a sex worker and there was probably still a lot of stigma around that today, but Mm. um, even more so in the 90s. There was also like the cheating element of the story. And I think what also made this all the more scandalous, of course, was Hugh's public image, which was Mm. of this sweet, charming, floppy-haired British persona who was lovable and probably couldn't do much wrong. Yeah, I agree. I think that charming knockabout persona really contributed to the surprise and the shock element of this scandal. Some of Hugh's friends actually spoke to the media and defended him. Mike Newell, for example, who was the director of Four Weddings, said, I wonder how significant it all is really. He hasn't hurt anybody. But by and large, Zara, the appetite was still insatiable for this. Oh my gosh. How's this piece from People Magazine that we stumbled on in our research that I'm positively obsessed with? (laughs) Because People Magazine decided to interview Hugh's like parents' neighbour at the time. (laughs) Now, this is the opening of the piece because I want to kind of capture it all. The elderly Mrs. Kaziski was nearly faint from the shock. (laughs) He's an idol here, gasped the longtime resident of London's Chiswick neighbourhood as she drew her hand to her mouth in disbelief. My children all have pictures of him. I've known him since he was wee high. Oh, I feel so sorry for his parents. I used to give them press clippings. They were so proud. Just then, the front door of the three-storey brick home next to hers opened (laughs) and a dark-haired woman with a sombre air stepped outside. It's okay, said Finn Volagrant gently. We've spoken with Hugh and everything's okay. (laughs) She ushered her neighbour inside the Kaziski home and as the two disappeared behind the door, Mrs Kaziski offered the sort of empathy only a mother can gracefully give. Oh, she said simply, Mrs Grant. (laughs) What the fuck? You can actually see that playing out. The elderly neighbour getting sucked into this like big press thing, doing an interview and Hugh Grant's mum being like, get back inside, Mrs Kaziski, come on. Mrs. Kaziski. Now, according to The Independent, observers immediately questioned whether Hugh had in one night killed his career and killed his relationship with Liz Hurley. He was also, Zara, facing legal consequences for his actions. Yeah. So on July 11, 1995, which was about two weeks after his, let's call it indiscretion, he had a court hearing. Now, he didn't appear at the court hearing, but he did plead no contest to the charges. The New York Times reported that Hugh hired LA lawyer Howard Weitzman, the guy who actually defended Michael Jackson against child molestation charges, to handle the case. Yeah, Hugh was facing a maximum penalty of six months in prison, which sounds 
I know. steep, very, very steep. But imprisonment was pretty unlikely given he was a first-time offender. He was actually eventually sentenced on the eve of the Hollywood premiere of Nine Months, his movie, quite awkward, and ended up being fined more than $1,100 and was also ordered to attend an AIDS education program, which was described as an eight-hour session to counsel you about the virus. We've got to say, we tried to look into that. The AIDS thing just sounded completely left of centre and like confusing and a complete curveball. Yeah, but then also very 90s. Very 90s. Very fear very just of the moment, right? Yeah, we kind of arrived at the conclusion that if you were up on like lewd sex charges, you would attend an AIDS program, even though that was completely irrelevant to what happened. Yes, and that goes without saying, I guess, too. Now, on the same night of Hugh's sentencing, so just a reminder, this was about two or so weeks after the scandal broke, Liz joined him at the movie premiere of Nine Months. Liz wore this bandage-style white mini dress with cap sleeves. She had her hair down around her face. Hugh wore a black suit and a grey tie. In their photos together, he's sort of smiling, occasionally smirking, sometimes beaming. She is definitely far more subdued, Mm. even a bit downcast, Mish. And the pair opted out of the red carpet interviews, naturally, and just walked past the reporters hand in hand. Yeah. And for Liz Hurley, everything was about to get much more public. The stakes were about to get much higher, Zara, because Hugh was about to hit the publicity circuit for that film. All of that, though, after the break. Alrighty, Mitch. So you could argue there is probably no worse time to be embroiled in a scandal like this one than at the launch of a new project because you are contracted to do publicity and press. He had to do all of this publicity immediately Like he after. had to do a whole press junket. It's so funny. And you can't get out of that. Like no. there's no way they would have paid him a decent sum of money. He can't just opt out of all the TV show appearances and magazine interviews simply because he fucked up. Well, arguably that's why they paid all that money. Yes, to star in the film, but also as equally for the press junket. That's Absolutely. where they get a lot of their value. Yeah. Now the LA Times reported, as everyone did, on this press junket and they wrote, the press tour scheduled to promote his new movie, the comedy Nine Months, has turned into a combination promotional junket and town flogging as Grant offers him up for jokes, pointed questions, and some obligatory discussion of the movie. Yeah. So first up, Hugh Grant went on Jay Leno, who asked him straight up, "What the hell were you thinking?" <laughs> this is what he said. Um, what it said—it's not easy. Um, <laughs> you know, I, the thing is, um, I, I, people give me tons of um, ideas on this one. I keep reading new you know, psychological theories and stuff like that. Um, you know, I was under pressure, I was uh, overtired, or I was uh, lonely, or I fell down the stairs when I was a child, or whatever. Um, but I, um, uh, you know, I, I think it would, that would be you know, bollocks, really, to, to hide behind a, right. uh, something like that. You know, you, I think you know in life uh, pretty much what's a good thing to do and what's a, b- a bad thing. And um, I did a bad thing, and there you have it. I think what stood out to me so much when I was watching this on YouTube is 
the audience was like really rallying behind him. Giggling, laughing, definitely appeared to be on his side for sure. Yeah, I imagine, of course, with anything like this, there would have been some corners of society that really wanted to flog him for this. But I would say the majority kind of found it like a lovable larrikin move. Because he had that sort of brand. I also do think some element of the audience's warmth in these sort of interviews would have had something to do with them being directed to be that way. There's no way they would have got Hugh on if he didn't at least feel like there was going to be some element of support there. Yeah, here's another snippet from that chat. Well, uh, the the, the public has been uh, really fantastic, you know, uh, fantastic um, to the people who matter, who in this case really, you know, my girlfriend and my family and stuff like that, Um, but also... Which is really touching to me, you know, they've been incredibly nice. I've had tons of, um, of letters uh, from, you know, everyone from famous film stars who I've never even met to, uh, you know, um, incredibly uh, kind of um, interesting letters from people who, you know, who've really suffered themselves, people who've got epilepsy, people who are paralyzed and who really, and that kind of sympathy um, really brings it home to you then you then you really realize you know my problems aren't so bad yeah, you know? yeah. um so i'm incredibly grateful to that to that for that so as we kind of touched on he did have a lot of support from the community like the massively public. massively now i kind of want to take a moment for a quick tangent i don't know if we've got time but i found this very very interesting <laughs> in my research time. because the jay leno interview was huge at the time as we know late night tv was huge it's still big but It was bigger in the 90s. Yeah, for sure. And the Hugh Grant coup was massive for Jay Leno. So a bit of backstory here. A few years earlier, late night TV heavyweight Johnny Carson, who'd been in the same job for 30 years, announced his retirement. And at the time, David Letterman hosted a late night talk show that aired right after Johnny Carson's show. So I think the... Public presumption was when Johnny Carson retires, David Letterman will be taking that seat. Except that's not what happened. Instead, that seat, much to the surprise of basically everyone, was given to Jay Leno and David Mm. Letterman was like pretty mad. So what David Letterman did was say, fuck this network, I'm going to a rival one and creating a show at a rival time to Jay Leno's. Wow. Okay. So their feud was pretty intense, right? Yeah. It was like so iconic that there was a film made about it called The Late Shift. Now, At the very end of that film, The Late Shift, the postscript said that for 90 straight weeks, Letterman consistently beat Jay Leno. So he was like ahead of the game. So clearly Letterman was, you know, doing well. After 90 weeks, though, Jay Leno started to overtake David Letterman and become the number one late night show. And the thing that changed, the catalyst for that, was this Hugh Grant interview. That's where their ratings changed. So because he scored that interview first, because Jay Leno got that scoop. It was the beginning of the rise back up. Wow. Because this Jay Leno one was huge because it was the first time he was sitting down with a late night TV host or really anyone and talking about what had happened. Which goes to show just how pivotal this scandal was for a lot of things as well. There were so many eyeballs on this at that time. Now, in another interview that Hugh did on his press junket, he did specifically talk about Liz. He said, I've done an abominable thing and she's been amazing about it. And contrary to what I've read in the paper today, she's been very supportive and we're going to try to work it out. Yeah. He has said in recent years that 
what motivated him in that moment to cheat on his girlfriend with the sex worker was that he was in, and I quote, a bad frame of mind after watching Nine Months and realising he was terrible in it. He said the film was about to come out a week or two after and I had a bad feeling about it. I went to see a screening. Everyone in it was brilliant and I was just so atrocious that I was not in a good frame of mind. I do want to clarify, I don't think he ever sort of explicitly said I was in a bad frame of mind, therefore I did this thing, but I think it went away to explaining what was going on in his life at the time. He was trying to give context on his general state of mind. Now, he also elaborated on this, telling interviewer Janelle Riley in their chat, I just tried much too hard in that film and I forgot to do basic acting, things like mean it. So I pulled faces and I overreacted and it was a shocker. Now, kind of awkward, but I guess understandable, a lot of people agree with Hugh Grant when he says that he sucked in nine months. (laughs) Lots of people agree with him. One reviewer, Peter Stack from The Chronicle, wrote his review under the headline, Hugh Grant does another bad thing. He referred to his charm in the film as desperate and ultimately concluded nine months seems determined to wear out its welcome. So it's not all sunshine and rainbows for Hugh Grant. It's not even like he can kind of pull himself back off the brink with a good performance. The performance was bad too. So where was Liz Hurley as all of this was happening? Because we did say she was at the premiere and she did stand by him through this scandal, but it wasn't easy. And Mm. she pretty candidly told the press that. Yeah, absolutely. A month after the scandal took place, Liz Hurley sat down with Barbara Walters in a very highly publicised TV interview. Now, the opening piece or the intro of this broadcast really beautifully set the tone. Here's a snippet with how it all began. And the woman everyone's been after, actor Hugh Grant's girlfriend. For the first time, Elizabeth Hurley goes public about his notorious act. Was it just some... I don't know what, wild, stupid thing. A private indiscretion, now an international affair. And everyone wants to know, will she stand by Hugh Grant? Barbara Walters with Elizabeth Hurley. Where does she go from here? Questions for Elizabeth. Is it just me or does that sound like it's straight out of the 1950s, not the 1990s? (laughs) It sounds so much older than the 90s for sure. Now, we actually have heaps of snippets from this interview because I want people to listen to how it came out because Liz's tone is quite remarkable here. Buckle up. Yeah. In her preamble, Walters said that Liz was incredibly nervous before the interview, pretty naturally, but really curiously and almost impressively, she actually arrived without an entourage, Mm. just arrived by herself to do the interview. And- The interview started, as most interviews do, about her career and things like that until conversation inevitably turned to Hugh. And Barbara Walters naturally asked about their relationship before the scandal, what drew them together, why they loved each other, why they spent so long dating, and this is what she said. (laughs) I remember thinking he looked quite nice in his costume at the time. We got on very well. Was it a romance? Is it a romance? Well, you know, present tense is a difficult question to answer. Yeah, I don't know which... Let's go past. Was it a romance? I think yes, definitely. I sort of feel he's my family. I, you know, I think blood is very thick. It certainly is in my family. And I felt that we'd moved to that stage where, um, you know, you, you couldn't... You're very um, at home with each other. 
Yeah, and then after that, Zara, it was time to talk about Hugh and the sex worker. Liz called it a terrible surprise. She said she did not see it coming at all. She also revealed that she didn't originally hear the news from Hugh about it. It was her agent who told her the news first. Here's that snippet. How did you hear about it? Um, my agent told me. Before you talked to, even talked to him? Seconds before. Oh, Lord, what did you say? What did he say? Well, I, I think I, I felt like I'd been shot. I, mean, I, was in, I think I was in shock. Around this time, I think a lot of people were asking the question, like, why? Why would he do this both to his career? Why would he do this to his girlfriend? A lot of people tried to make excuses for Hugh. But I loved Liz's answer to this when Barbara Walters asked her, why do you think this happened? Why do you yeah. think you made this decision? She said, I think most things in life you do because you want to. And I always think that is the bottom line. Yes, there's all sorts of psychobabble you can come up with. I think ultimately you want to do something and you do it. Very simple and very accurate. It's the I think. most simple answer, but it's probably the most true. Yeah. Liz also revealed that she turned down Hugh Grant's marriage proposal soon after he was arrested. She said that her rejection of his proposal didn't go down too well and that she didn't want to get married at that moment. She said marriage was not on the agenda for them in the near future. She elaborated, we started going out when I was 22 when, of course, you wouldn't begin to think about getting married. And mentally, I don't think I've moved on. So is this to say that the scandal breaks, the world finds out, and in a kind of desperate effort for Hugh to show his commitment to Liz Hurley, he gets down on one knee? <laughs> That's certainly what it sounds like. Yeah. Can you imagine? Oh, I'd I be would like, be livid. I'd be like, get off your fucking knee. I was like, get <laughs> fucked. You can't band-aid your way out of this with a big, huge ring. Like, you 100%. cannot be doing that. Now, Barbara also asked Liz about where she sat with Hugh and the whole saga, and she seemed actually relatively indecisive. Have a listen to this for yourself and suss the tone. Where are you now? I mean, once and for all, I guess you're going to have to answer it, and then we hope you don't have to again, but, but where is it, and where are you in, in your head with him? Well, I don't know, really. I'd like to say that everything's getting easier and easier and falling into place, but it isn't really. Um... I think always the deciding thing I keep saying to myself is, what if instead the telephone call had been, he's been killed in a car crash? And you know, that's 10 billion times worse. In a car crash, he would be gone forever. Yeah, and there's no embarrassment. There's only sympathy and love left. Yeah, but lost the rest of my life. So, um, you know, I don't have that. So I don't know really. I'm really looking forward to going away to South Africa. How long will you be away? I'm away for about seven weeks. So you won't be seeing him for seven weeks? Oh, well, I don't know. He'll probably come out for a while. Um, I do quite feel... It's very, very difficult in England at the moment. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's actually intolerable to not... to, um, you know, to be on display mm. all the time. I think she's so clever to speak about it this way because she's not committing to anything. She's no. not setting up expectations. She's not saying, what an asshole! I'm never going to be with him again. She is future-proofing herself that she can make whatever decision she wants with the time that she needs to make it. 100%. And she's being about as honest as she can be to say, I don't know. Yeah, 100%. Now, what about forgiveness? Liz said that forgiveness is a really difficult subject to broach. She said, that's something that has to be worked out. It would be very easy now to become very hard. Yeah, mm. it was true. It would be very easy to get quite bitter. Mm. 
And dare I say, quick spoiler alert, power to her for not because they stayed together for a long time after this. So clearly she was able to let it go and not let it eat her alive. Now, in terms of Hugh's career, to be honest, it seems as though Hugh's strategy of being honest and owning up to what happened appeared to save him. Now, perhaps it might be giving him too much credit to say his strategy when in reality he had to do this press junket. So it was kind of backed into a corner when he had to speak about it, right? Yeah, I agree with that. As CNN wrote in 1995, by apologising publicly, Grant has taught celebrities facing scandals in the future a lesson in how to defuse a crisis. I think the best thing Hugh Grant did was that statement that we read out in episode one and I'll repeat it again for anyone who has forgotten he said at the time last night I did something completely insane I've hurt people I love and embarrassed people I work with for both things I'm more sorry than I can ever possibly say I think that quick short sharp statement was expertly written whoever was behind that maybe it was Hugh given we know he's a good copywriter true that was the best thing he did yes going on the talk shows was great but that wasn't really his own creation for sure he didn't refuse to do interviews or cancel appearances like we know some other celebrities would try to do if they could kind of weasel their way out of a contract a PR agent told CNN most stars go into seclusion and don't talk and get angry and attack the media. He did the reverse. He apologised right away. He went on every talk show possible. He apologised to his girlfriend and the public applauded him. They're breaking down the doors at the movie Nine Months. I wonder, I think this is a pretty accurate analysis, right? Because not many people, as we've touched on a little bit in this episode, would be locked into a press junket so soon after a scandal. Mm. And so almost always what happens is people just go to ground, which is almost always the right thing to do. But this sort of flipped that idea on its head, right? To be like, you have to be exposed to everything all at once. You have to do every interview under the sun. And that worked too. It has been a really interesting facet of doing this research and doing Scandal as a series in general because you see how differently different celebrities respond to a crisis. Yeah. And although I do think sometimes going to ground is the best thing to do, Sometimes owning it and just quickly moving on helps the public move on as well. I think it depends entirely on the type of person you are and the type of celebrity you are. Mm. Hugh Grant being that lovable larrikin that you defined before could get away with this because people did love him and kind of did consider him relatively cheeky and stuff like that. So he could do it. But I don't think other celebrities who are as beloved could have done the same thing. Yeah. Now, he didn't just kind of undo the damage of his scandal. Some said he actually kind of helped his career with it. In the weeks after, Entertainment Weekly mused, as it turns out, Hugh's recent tabloid-ready embarrassment may be the most perversely lucky career break a celebrity ever got. Yeah, his career moved on relatively unscathed. He went on to star in huge films like Sense and Sensibility, Notting Hill, About a Boy, Love Actually and Bridget Jones's Diary. If anything, Hugh said, he probably got more scripts (laughs) after the scandal. He said, I certainly remember being offered 101 Dalmatians two days after. Interesting. Hugh did, however, according to Entertainment Weekly, go through a couple of years of enduring countless jokes with his name as the punchline. But a few years after the incident, Hugh was really in on that joke. He said, you know, you go into airports and people run up to you, those guys who collect autographs, and some of them have my mugshot, and I don't think it strikes them as odd to come up and ask me to sign it. (laughs) (laughs) Now, we also definitely haven't forgotten about Divine Brown and all of this. We will come to her 
towards the end of the episode mm. to touch on how she fared through all of this. Because as we said, she was like incredibly harassed throughout this time. And this was her story as well. Mm. Let's talk about Hugh and Liz before we get there though, because this does bring us to where Hugh and Liz are today. Hugh and Liz actually broke up in May 2000 after 13 years together. So they survived another five or so after this scandal. It was a really, really interesting announcement at the time, the split announcement with the couple's spokesperson stressing the split was, and I quote, temporary. Yeah. So the full statement read as this, it is a temporary thing. It is a mutual and amicable decision. They are to continue to run Simeon films together and they would like to stress that there are no third parties involved. Now, despite that statement and the stressing that this was all temporary, the opposite was true. It was a very permanent split indeed. The following year, Liz Hurley announced that she was pregnant with her millionaire film producer boyfriend, Steve Now, as a quick aside, Zara, this became, this relationship between Liz Hurley and Steve Bing became a mini scandal in and of itself. Bing publicly cast a doubt on the paternity of Hurley's unborn child, telling reporters that he and Liz were, and I quote, never exclusive and were seeing other people. Liz Hurley denied this and said that Steve Bing was her boyfriend and the father of her unborn child. After legal proceedings took place in the high court, a paternity test ultimately proved Liz Hurley was right. Steve Bing then publicly offered to pay £100,000 a year in child support, which Liz Hurley refused, telling the media his support is not wanted or welcome. What an asshole! What an asshole! Particularly when she proved herself right and had that paternity test. Also really humiliating and embarrassing to drag that through the high court. Absolutely. Like that can be done behind closed doors. Now, back to Liz and Hugh. They remain really, really close friends to this day. In fact, speaking of Liz's child, her son Damien, Hugh is actually his godfather. She told Access Hollywood that Hugh is, and I quote, Annoying, but I annoy him too. I mean, it's a mutual annoyance, but we love each other a lot. Yeah, she went on, I love him passionately. I love him like I love my son and my brother and I used to love my father. It's a grand passion, but I think it's quite nice when you realise you can have a passionate friendship with someone, but it's not actually sexual. It's just really intense feelings of love, I guess. She also told Us Weekly in 2016, we met on a movie 29 years ago and he's still my best friend today and I still speak to him every day. That was the best co-star I've ever had for sure. What a unique, like deeply unique relationship. Yeah. You don't hear about it that much, do you? I think some people, I mean, I don't know a lot of people in my life who could stay friends with an ex. You can stay amicable and if you bumped into them, say hello. But I don't know many people who are friends with them, let alone best friends. Yeah, let alone with an ex who once publicly humiliated them and cheated on them. It makes me think a lot of things. I wonder if her and Hugh always had a very modern arrangement for that time in history. Maybe they did have a modern agreement in the 90s. I don't think so at all. I think this just speaks a lot to maturity. Yeah, maybe. Watching that Barbara Walters interview, Mm. there's not a chance that she would have done that in the way that she did that if they had a modern arrangement. She was completely blindsided. I just think these two were able to build something back together because their foundation was very strong. They were together before either of them were huge. Yeah, so interesting. Now, speaking of mini scandals, we just gave you one about Liz Hurley. It's time for Hugh Grant's mini scandal because almost 20 years after the biggest scandal of his career, Hugh Grant found himself in quite the entanglement, Zara McDonald. Did he ever? So let's talk about Hugh Grant's children because... 
the timeline is a little curious here. In September 2011, a 51-year-old Hugh welcomed his daughter Tabitha to the world. Now, that baby, Tabitha, was the product of what his publicist called a fleeting affair with the restaurant receptionist Ting Lang Hong. Yeah, as reported by The Guardian, news of Hugh Grant's love affair with Ting Lan caused a media storm. So intense were the paparazzi that Hugh actually petitioned the High Court for an injunction under the Protection from Harassment Act. Now, in court, Ting Lang Hong wrote a witness statement, which was read out, that said she is frightened to drive with her child because of the distraction of photographers making it unsafe. Since the birth of her child, her life has become unbearable. She cannot leave her home without being followed and there are constantly photographers waiting outside her home. In 2012, Hugh spoke to The Guardian about his experience of fatherhood. He said, I did feel a little lumpy and emotional when I first met my daughter, yeah. Lots of people said, never let anyone know, but the baby period is not that exciting. But I am excited, actually. I thought, well, I'll bluff through, but very little bluffing has been required. I like my daughter very much. Fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) So cute. Has she changed my life? I'm not sure. Not yet, not massively, so no. But I am thrilled to have had her. I really am. Interesting quotes. Only come January 2014, the media and the public had caught onto a curious fact about Hugh Grant's offspring. So here's what the Daily Mail ran on the 30th of Jan that year. Hugh Grant's three babies in 15 months. Anna Eberstein and Ting Lane Hong pregnant with actors' sons at the same time. Yes, here is how that article opened. If fatherhood came late to Hugh Grant, he is making up for lost time. <laughs> the 53-year-old actor has gone from being childless to a father of three in the space of just 15 <laughs> months. His third love child was revealed yesterday, a son born to Swedish television producer Anna Eberstein. She would have been pregnant at the same time as Grant's other lover, Ting Lang Hong, who gave birth to his son Felix Chang three months afterwards. Yes, so if your minds are spinning... It's confusing. It's confusing. Let us recap for you in simple terms. In September 2011, Hugh and Ting Lan have a baby girl, Tabitha. Four months after that, Hugh and Anna fall pregnant with a baby boy. Three months after that, Ting Lan is pregnant with Hugh again with another baby. To make all of these matters more complicated, Hugh and Anna Eberstein, that Swedish TV producer you mentioned before, Zara, were definitely a public item. They were together when Tinglan was pregnant with her second child with Hugh. Yeah, they were regularly photographed together. So naturally, a lot of people were scratching their heads. It's like, how was it that Hugh had two babies with Tinglan in such a short span of time? when he was also meant to be very much with Anna. Anyway, no matter how confused we might actually be, all actually seemed to work out for Hugh and the mothers of his children because it's Hugh Grant and everything works out. (laughs) While Hugh and Anna did split for a period of time in 2014, by 2015, he and Anna Eberstein welcomed their second child together. In early 2018, they had their third, making Hugh a father of five. Now, 
Funnily enough, to bring this story full circle, the news of that baby's existence, the fifth child of Hughes, was broken by none other than Liz Hurley, (laughs) who accidentally spilled the news on Watch What Happens Live, sharing that fatherhood had transformed Hugh as a person. Yeah, in May that year, 2018, Hugh and Anna got married and they're still married to this day. Hugh Grant is now 61 years old and continues to act and has had a number of acclaimed roles, including the TV series A Very English Scandal and The Undoing. He recently told USA Today, I like the fact that odd things come my way now. I've been very, very overpaid, so I do have that luxury of not working. For the most part, he's focused on, as he described, trying to be a young father in an old man's body. He's previously said that having waited 50 years to become a dad, I am making up for lost time. I am touchingly devoted. He did say, though, that his kids, and I quote, are not allowed to go into show business. I watched one of them in his nativity school play and he was gratifyingly awful. (laughs) Displayed no talent at all, turned his back to the audience, yawned. I was very proud of him. (laughs) I love that. Which Zara brings us to Divine Brown, real name Estella Marie Thompson, the sex worker at the centre of this scandal. In 2007, Estella said in a documentary, everything worked out for the better. The scandal helped me turn it into something positive. She reportedly walked away from that time in her life with $1.6 million. Yeah, her partner and the father of her two kids also told that documentary, Hugh Grant put my kids through school, gave us a chance of the life we probably never would have reached. I had a chance to travel on private jets. If I can meet him and shake his hand, all I would like to say is thank you, I appreciate you, and if anything I can do in return, I would love to be a friend. I mean, (laughs) what an, like, in a really great way, an unexpected twist at the end of this that I'm not going to say that everything was rosy. Like Estella Marie Thompson slash Divine Brown was treated pretty awfully by the press. And like she should have been paid. She should have cashed in on that trauma that she would have experienced very publicly. However, to look at it 20, 30 years on and for everyone involved to be saying that they're okay is such a refreshing scandal to cover. Yeah, it feels like an unusual ending, doesn't it? Like it might not have been the most lovely, simple, linear story but if Divine or Stella Marie Thompson is saying I'm okay and Hugh's career is great and he's got five kids then that's where we're going to leave it. And Liz Hurley is his best friend. Yeah. It has one of the happier endings that we've covered on it's this series. Random for sure. <laughs> Guys, as always, we are on Instagram at Shameless Podcast where we will share some images from this time on our account to really spark your memory. To really jog that memory. Please go follow us there. We're on TikTok as well at Shameless underscore podcast. We will share some throwback clips, I think, of those talk shows as well because they're really interesting to watch. They are so, so interesting. As always, thank you to our researchers. Justine Landis-Hanley who helped work on this one with us. Guys, we will be back in your ears on Thursday for another wrap in the week that was in pop culture. So we'll see you then. Bye. Shameless Media. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land.